Thank you for calling Minute 24. Please listen to the full menu as the following options have changed. To select a guest to come on the podcast, press 1 now. To email the title of a movie you've never seen to the guest, press 2 now. To make wild guesses about the movie, press 3 now. To watch Minute 24 to Minute 30 of the movie, press 4 now. To make more wild guesses, press 5 now. To have the movie spoiled for you, please stay on the line. It's starting. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Minute 24, a podcast where we review movies we've never seen before. I'm your host, Melissa Darch. You should know that. Otherwise, how did you find this? I always wonder. Um, and with me today is my guest, Stefan Sipka. Hey. <laughs> you can't just nod with Zoom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it's kind of just forgot. Audio. Yeah. yeah, I know. Sometimes I'll like smile at the person and then I'll like realize I have to be like, oh yeah, I'm laughing at their joke. Like I yeah. am enjoying what's going on because um, the our little audience can't hear us. Um, I'm really excited today. I just told you this, Stefan, but I haven't recorded one in a while, so it might be a little clunky, but um, I'm excited to get back into it and especially excited with a movie that I know nothing about, like truly nothing. And usually when I ask people to pick movies, I give them the disclaimer of like, don't make it a documentary. And I didn't even tell you that. So this could even be a documentary, which would be wild because I've never done it, one before. It could be. It could and be. I won't <laughs> say whether it is or not. Um, Stefan's an old pro for anyone listening because um, he knows that no matter what I say about this movie, he has to agree with me. Um, that's mm -hmm. part of the bit. So Stefan totally knows this movie and he knows what's going on, but um, I'm forcing him to agree with me for a certain amount of time so I can... Um, play out my fantasies of being a screenwriter and um, write my own version of this movie, basically. Um, okay, so I'm going to jump into it because I'm a little nervous because I okay. know nothing about this. Okay, let's go. Um, so I sent you these questions 35 seconds ago, but I'm going to answer mm -hmm. them for Brand Upon the Brain, Okay. the title of the movie. And I believe it has an exclamation point even. It does. Okay, very exciting. Mm -hmm. Um what do I know about this movie going into it? As I've said, absolutely nothing. I haven't even, I don't like, sometimes there are movies that I've like heard the name of before. Mm -hmm. Literally have never even heard the name of this movie before. No idea what the poster looks like or who's in it or famous people are even in it. Or if it's like a B movie and no idea. Um, famous lines or scenes you think come from this movie. I kind of feel like just based on the title, I get like a sort of like, um, goofy clockwork orange kind of feel brand upon mm. the brain okay so i feel like there could be some sort of scene like in a clockwork orange where the guy has to like have his eyes held open and he's like forced to watch whatever he is watching i think it's like a bunch of clips of stuff i've also never seen a clockwork orange <laughs> <laughs> i've but, read but it but you have seen that scene yeah yeah okay yeah and they yeah. do it in they do it in Lost too, and I think after they did they that do scene do in that Lost, in Lost. Yeah. a bunch of people were like, "It's a Clockwork Orange," um, but no one was saying it's brand upon the brain. So maybe this doesn't happen, but I think it does, mm -hmm. um, or something like that. Something where they're like in a room and they're just hearing the same advertisement over and over and over. Um, I definitely okay. think, in some way or another, it's commentary, whether it's documentary or not. It's commentary on like advertising in our life or like how much because brand like how much we hear like mm -hmm. um about gap jeans or whatever um people you think are in this movie i think either this is like someone famous's 
first movie they were ever in. Like maybe this is like, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why the most famous person I could think of was Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but also he was like a child actor. So maybe like yeah. not a child actor's first movie, but someone who like maybe got really big when they were 30 and this was a movie they were in when they were like 25. That's my guess. Or absolutely no one I know is in it. Those are my okay. two ideas. The two extremes. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, even I think, I think if that person ended up being famous, they were a nobody at that time. Got so it. I do think it's a movie where it's like nobodies, but maybe one of them got famous. That's my guess. Okay. Genre of the movie. I don't know. I get, I, I feel like it's creepy. I can't explain why, but like maybe even like, like funny, creepy, like it's like kind of a, creepy idea if you like think about it for too long but while you're watching it it's like oh we're having a good time this is goofy all this weird stuff's happening okay um have you seen the movie this is such a weird one but you've seen everything have you seen the movie brazil yeah okay i kind of feel like it has like that sort of brazil's not a comedy i don't think brazil is a comedy it has that kind of edge to it where like while you're watching right. it, you're like there's funny what? stuff happening yeah yeah and you're like what is going on mm -hmm. um yeah, so I think it's kind of like that, where there's, like, goofy moments, fun stuff that happens, fun visuals, but if you, like, really think about the plot of the movie, you're like, oh, man, society's doomed. Okay, okay. Um, why haven't you seen this movie? Never heard of it in my entire life. Um, and I also, I haven't seen a lot of movies that I have heard of, so there's no commentary on it. And then additional thoughts. As I was describing it, I was like, I hope this is like the kind of movie Stefan would pick and he's not like, she thinks I'm into that type of movie. Mm -hmm. um, I think what I'm describing sounds like a cool movie, just to be clear. I would totally watch that if that was a movie. Um, but I don't have any additional thoughts because I don't know anything about this movie. Great. But I would like I to think see that's the, the best poster. way to go into it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I can just share this with you. Okay, here we go. See it? Brand on the brain. Okay. Okay. It definitely looks tense. I don't know that it's like necessarily a hundred percent horror, but it definitely looks dramatic, if not horror. Because mm -hmm. they're hugging. But the guy being hugged that we see his eyes looks terrified. Mm -hmm. With Guy Madden. I'll be honest, a guy I've never heard of before. That says it says music. a film a film by Guy. Okay, Madden. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, do you know who that is? Like, do you know his filmography? I do. Yeah. Okay. I don't. <laughs> Just to be <laughs> clear. I do not know who that is. Um, okay. And you said you picked this poster. Yeah. Because it's your favorite. Um, yeah, there are a couple options. This is like the original release poster. Okay. The movie, um, Criteria, the Criterion Collection put out a version of it and they they always redo the posters normally honestly normally they're better than the original yeah. ones but i like this this original one better because i think it captures more like the like you kind of noticed it more of like like the feeling of the film than the other one does interesting it is it's very until you said criterion correction collection i was going to say you kind of can't tell when it was made mm -hmm. based on this because they are doing black and white pictures again mm -hmm. um what's that sin city or whatever was mostly black and white. So definitely the poster mm -hmm. would be black and white. Um, and this poster is black and white, which actually now that I say it out loud, doesn't necessarily mean the movie is, but 
I don't know. I'm intrigued. It looks like a little, maybe it's my stereotypes, but like his like trench coat and like the hat, the rim of the hat almost makes it feel like it could be like a on the edge of horror film noir, but um, everyone kind of dressed like that at that time. So I don't really know if that's, (laughs) I don't really know if that's a fair guess or if I'm just stereotyping the era. Um, I'm interested. I hope I don't get freaked out watching six minutes of it because I do get nervous about horror movies, but usually the beginning of a horror movie is not that scary. Yeah, I, I think oh, it'll be God. <laughs> Okay, we'll see what I happens. Don't, it's not scary. It's okay. definitely not, yeah. But I, I mean, I, tense I think is fine. It does seem like it's gonna be like suspense. That's the word I want. It does seem like it's gonna be suspenseful. A little I mean, bit. I mean, I'm not gonna I mean, say you anything. can't tell me. You, yeah, you won't, I, I can guarantee you like, you won't like, you know, cry or anything. Okay, from you terror. can't guarantee that. You don't know what's gonna make me cry. Um, okay, cool. So what we're going to do, you can stop sharing the screen with me and then okay. we are going to um, cut the audio for a second so that everyone listening can listen, um, can take a pause and watch six minutes of this movie. Okay. I'm sure is available everywhere. <laughs> you know, <Probably> not. <laughs> reach out, reach out. Okay, yeah, I'll yeah, let yeah. you know. Um, but we're going to watch from minute 24 and zero seconds to minute 30 and zero seconds. And then I'm going to try and recap what we saw. And I'm going to answer some more questions after this. Okay, we're recording. I have to try to recap what we just saw. Mm -hmm. Let me say this first. First of all, very impressed with myself that I guessed film noir. Because there's definitely a detective thing going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then secondly, let me say that this seems like an art house film like that's what i would guess this is yeah and i have not seen enough to know if this is standard or if this is like a satirical take on an art house film because i haven't seen enough so what it looks like to me an idiot is (laughs) that it looks like someone found footage of a movie that was a silent movie Mm -hmm and then really liked it and added in some more clips and then edited a narrator's voice over it to like make it a cohesive, cohesive story. That's what it looks okay. like to me because there's sometimes where the narrator will say something and then like the, the I don't even know what they're car- called, the card will come up that says like, like the, the title cards that are yes. the, just the text. Yeah. Yes, the action or even the, the what the character is saying, which doesn't like, hundred percent negate what the narrator says, but is like a little bit different. So um, that was really interesting to me and I couldn't quite, I feel like I definitely would have to watch this whole movie. Like very, like Interstellar is not a movie where you can like turn away for a couple of minutes and come mm-hmm. back and know what's going on. Sure. And that's how I feel like this movie is to like, really like grab onto what's happening. You have to like watch. Absolutely. The whole thing. Yeah. Okay. So here's what I think happened. <laughs> so it starts with, Chance Hale, teen detective, which right away I was like, I can't believe I guessed it was a detective Mm -hmm. movie. And um, this kid's kind of a weirdo. He's like maybe 14. Um, He's dressed all in black and he's walking down the beach with this girl. And it starts right away with like Wendy had to leave or like Chance had to tell everyone that Wendy had to go. And they're like on the beach and they're standing really close to each other the whole time, like face to face, really close to each other, but it's a far away shot. So it's like kind of weird to see. Mm-hmm. And then they're talking, you think they're walking together and laughing and whatever. And then they're like, Wendy had to leave. 
And then Chance goes and investigates what's happening in the orphanage, which when they say the orphanage, they just show a lighthouse. So I'm not sure if the orphanage is inside of the lighthouse mm-hmm. or if the lighthouse is a metaphor for something, because again, I couldn't okay. fully okay. grasp what was happening. Sure. So they go into the lighthouse or maybe not. They go into the orphanage and there's like, like definitely like prison looking like the bars that like roll to open and shut a jail cell. There's some of those bars in there. There's like way too many kids in a small room and Chance is like kind of creeping around. He puts his stuff on a bed, like an empty cot or whatever. So I don't know if he's like moved into the orphanage. It's like posing as an orphan to investigate it. Or if he really just is an orphan and his like coping mechanism is to pretend he's a detective. Hard to say. Okay. Then he runs into this guy, Guy, who's like eight maybe, and Guy has a crush on Chance, is what it seems. Okay. And they're like gonna do detective stuff together and Chance is sort of either, either Guy has a romantic crush on mm-hmm. Chance or Guy is just like, this older kid is the coolest kid and I wanna be around him, that kind of crush. Mm-hmm either one and chance is taking advantage of it so he's like yeah guy come with me i need you to get up in this vent so he puts guy up in the ventilation vents and he's like crawling over the day's lesson um Mm -hmm. and the day's lesson is like this woman and she's like this is what made me think someone's narrating over it because it it kind of seems like she's reenacting like a scary part of a play or a book or something because she's got like ropes and she's like gesturing with things Mm-hmm. But then over it, the narrator is like, mom uses suicide methods to teach us the lesson of the day. And it seems like sort of like mm-hmm. a joke. But again, I haven't seen enough of these films mm-hmm. to like be certain that it's a joke. I mean, I, I laughed at that. Line. I did too. Yeah, but I yeah. don't know if like the creator of this movie was like, this is a comedy or if they're just mm-hmm. funny moments in it. Sure. Yeah. So um, the kid climbs through the vent and then drops sleeping gas which is a liquid inside of a vial and i guess when it like smashes it releases the gas um which immediately i was like uh that kid's gonna fall asleep (laughs) (laughs) this is a bad plan and he does everyone in the orphanage falls asleep except for chance and then chance i guess waits for the smoke to clear and starts walking around and then he starts being like there are holes in everyone's head and it looks like a big needle injection but for like one second i was like I had this moment where I was like, oh, I should have said vampires because the way they're hugging, it looks like mm. the guy who you see his back could be biting the other guy's neck. And so I was like, I should have said vampires, but the holes look too weird. There are often two holes together, but they look too weird to be like a vampire. So I think they're getting injected with something. Okay. Um, and I think there was even a hole in the head of like the teacher woman. I could have seen that wrong, but it looked like he was looking at like everyone's necks and heads on scalps and stuff. They're in weird places for vampires too. And everyone has holes. And then he sees a woman that he thinks is attractive and just kisses her mm-hmm. and calls her sleeping beauty. And then it cuts, that's the end of chapter four. And then it cuts to Guy. So the little boy who's like nine walking around a forest and being like, I can't wait to see Wendy again. So now I'm like, Oh, does everyone know Wendy and everyone has a crush on her? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. And so he's like walking around the forest and he keeps like seeing like a vision of her and then she'll disappear and a vision of her. And he's like walking around. He's like, all I can think about is Wendy. And then he stands by the ocean for a really long time. And that's my best summary of what happened. That's 
that's a pretty tight summary. I tried. I tried. I okay, mean, so yeah, a lot happens in that six minutes. You know, it moves fast. It does, and yeah. a lot of it, it, and every scene that you're watching, like every clip of what you're watching, is like four seconds long. Like mm-hmm. you see the kid crawling for like a second and a half, and then it's a title card that's like he crawls through the vent, and then it's like b-roll of seagulls for like a second and then it cuts back to like where chance do you know what i mean it's like so fast there's Mm -hmm. so much stuff happening yeah yeah it's really quickly paced editing yeah okay so i'm gonna try and answer these questions i haven't sent you yet about this movie and we're just gonna see how it goes i'm just gonna guess as if this is a movie that has a linear plot similar to american made movies that i've seen before okay which may or may not be true okay Who's the main protagonist? feel very confident about that. It is Chance Hall, teen detective. Okay. Who's the main antagonist? I think, look, this is a little out, out there, but I'm going to say it. It kind of seems like this Wendy character is similar to the Wendy character in Peter Pan, where mm-hmm. she's sort of, because she seemed older, she's definitely taller than Chance. It seems like maybe she was sort of like, I think she's an orphan that was in the orphanage and it seems like she was sort of a caretaker, even though she's a kid, she's sort of a caretaker for everyone. People like went to her with problems. She was nice to everyone. People really liked Wendy Mm -hmm. and then she disappeared. And so the antagonist is whoever took Wendy. But I think in the end, we're going to find out no one took Wendy. She like ran away or something. But I think like for a while, what they're investigating is like kids are maybe going missing from the orphanage and there's some sort of like unseen threat that's like uh, going to harm them, whatever it is. So it's not a person. It's like a a feeling that something bad is going to happen because bad things are happening. What's happening to the protagonist before the scene? His parents just died. He has to go to this orphanage he's gone there. He like just moved in. And then like one of the first thing he wants to do is like creepy shit starts happening. And then he's like, I got to escape. So he packs up and he goes to leave with Wendy. And then, um, while Wendy and him are on the beach or whatever, she's like, look, we can't leave all those kids alone. Like that's fucked. Like those kids need our help. Some of them are really young. We should go back and help. And they create some plan. She's going to go you know, this way and into town and go do something. And he's going to go back to the orphanage and investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, what's happening to the antagonist before the scene. So like the creepy stuff starts happening. Some kid gets sick unexpectedly and dies um, or someone goes missing or they find like spooky noises at night. You know what I mean? Something creepy is happening. Yeah. Um, what will happen to the protagonist antagonist in the future? So chance, I think is going to find out very quickly that, he's got all this gear and he's got all this cool stuff and he really wants to be a detective, but he's going to be in like way over his head. Like he's going to get captured at some point in time. He's going to like really need the help of his friends, but not be able to admit it for a while. And then finally he's going to be like, okay, I know I've just been using guy, but now I actually do need guys help. Or like, I know I just had Wendy as like my damsel in distress as like this beautiful woman, but now I actually need her assistance. Maybe. Um, oh no, are you frozen? I think you're frozen. Stefan, are you frozen? This has never happened before and I don't know what to do. I'm going to pause it. Yeah, good. (laughs) I was like, oh no, Stefan. I know. It's a tough movie. Um, 
Okay, so basically I was saying that I think he is going to need help from his friends in some way. Um, he's going to need, like, he's going to realize he needs Guy's help or he's going to realize he needs Wendy's help and not just, like, use them as props. Um, a scene that would be really cool that happens, it'd be really cool if they found out that Wendy was the bad guy all along. <laughs> Well, that's, yeah, that's a classic <laughs> twist. Yeah. Yes, I would love it. Well, because she disappears and everyone just loves her so much. And then maybe Chance like thinks he gets the situation under control because she's off doing whatever part of the plan she's supposed to be doing. But mm -hmm. then um, people start disappearing again or whatever. And, and he's like, I need Wendy back. Wendy will help me. Wendy will know what to do. And then he finds Wendy with like a giant like 1930s needle in her hand like standing over a four-year-old <laughs> like cartoon style like yes. giant syringe. yeah <laughs> she has to use her whole hand to like plunge it <laughs> yeah. yes um what's the moral of the movie i think the moral i think this movie look i think that if you step out of the world of this movie we would find that I'm going to stick to this. We were finding that Chance isn't a real detective and it's his way of coping with the fact that his parents are now dead and he has to like be an orphan. So instead of being like, oh no, I'm an orphan, his way of dealing with it is to be like, I'm not an orphan. I'm a boy detective. So I have to be here to help people. Mm -hmm. So I think the moral of the movie is going to be about um, like accepting your grief mm -hmm. um, and not just ignoring it. Like, having ways to cope with it instead of having ways to deny it right yeah live in the real world yeah it's yeah. a little heady for this i think you have to be really <laughs> smart to get that from this movie that's the way i'm mm -hmm. gonna say it um how does the movie end i think the movie ends in an abandoned warehouse where the chemicals being made of whatever they're injecting into the kids there's like a big vat of the chemical it's like green and bubbling you know mm -hmm. and chances standing it's, off it's green Wendy. in the black and white film yeah there's yeah, one yeah. pop of color <laughs> and it's the oil um and chance and wendy are standing opposite each other and wendy's like i'm doing it to help people and chance is like no you're not um you're hurting everyone and you're hurting me and then guy hears that and is like chance is hurt i love chance and so guy sneaks <laughs> up behind wendy and pushes her into the big bat okay they're also, in my mind, the only adult in this movie is that woman that was teaching the class. Everyone else is a kid the whole time. That's what I want. Okay. And then um, what's the last line on the, of the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I think the last line is the narrator talking, like kind of waxing poetic at the end about like what mm -hmm. happened and what we learned. And at the end, she's like, um, she's talking over, you know, images of waves or whatever. And mm -hmm. she's like, um, you know, like chance conquered the evil here, but like as evil always does, it will come back again and again. And you're seeing like the waves lap on the shore. Like we saw in that scene like where, the that. Kid, yeah. where the kid threw the stick and the stick mm -hmm. comes back. That's my guess. That'd be a great ending. All right, dude, I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> the movie is tough. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, I, you, you actually got a pretty good six minutes. I'm not going to lie. Okay, good. But there may have been some things that were misperceived. Yeah, of and, course. <laughs> and you you missed a crucial 10 seconds right before. Oh, okay. Changed your worldview completely. Yeah. yeah. All right, tell me it. Tell me about it. Okay, so um, basically what you missed is um, 
I think like you mistook a different character for Wendy. Okay. Um, so the blonde girl that you saw is actually Guy's older sister. So Guy and his sister live in the lighthouse with their mom and dad who run the orphanage. Okay. It's a lighthouse orphanage. So you're right. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you caught that too. Cause it's like a really quick cut to the lighthouse and then like they're and they're inside of it. Yeah. So it's like, you wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> so right, right before it start, you know, it had that title card, Chance Hale, Teen Detective. Um, it's actually like, w- what happens is um, Chance's sister, Wendy, so that's Chance's oh, sister, okay. was on the island. And Guy, whose perspective, Guy is the protagonist. Oh, and okay. The whole thing is in his perspective. He's um, remembering it. Okay. Um, so he fell in love with Wendy. And Wendy didn't leave. Wendy decides to cross-dress as her brother, who's, like, away on a different mission or... Okay. Yeah, I don't exactly remember, but she... So she cross-dresses as her brother. So the, the whole movie, he's kind of, like... It is, like, a, he's, like falls for him as like a, oh he's a cool like yeah. I want to be like him kind of thing but he's also like I, I kind of like him Wendy yeah yeah and he's like they look similar yeah so it's it's a little bit of both and so in the scene where they where he goes in and does the sleep gas yeah he that's the sister that he that chance finds kissing his sister and he falls as Wendy, yes. she falls in love with the sister. So it's okay, like so a that's the triangle. same blonde girl as on the beach. Yeah, so it's I like a love triangle between them. Yeah. Okay. Between Weird. Chance slash Wendy and the two siblings. Yeah. Both fall for the same person. Um, yeah, the antagonist is definitely the parents, mostly the mom, I guess. Okay. Um, the whole the whole movie is Guy is actually like in present time painting the lighthouse and he's remembering all of this stuff from his childhood okay. as he gives the lighthouse a new coat of paint. Um, so that's, you actually see a really brief cut of that. Like, so when chapter four ends and chapter five starts again, you, you briefly see him as an adult, like going around in the woods, but it's just like a really short cut. And I was like, yeah. oh, she'll get it. Nope. <laughs> the lighthouse, but um yeah so he's narrating the whole thing but it's but Isabella Rosalini is doing the narration okay I was gonna say I thought it was a woman's voice yeah that's interesting she's she's the most famous person involved and you're right like the rest of the cast is like I don't want to call them nobodies because that's kind of mean but undiscovered yes uh definitely not any big budget stars (laughs) um for the yeah so for the recording of the film Isabella Rosalini, she does the narration. But actually, when the film debuted, I think 2006, um, it was accompanied like in a traditional silent film style with like a live orchestra. It would would be like a different narrator for every festival and city. And they had like live Foley artists too doing the sound effects. 
That's really cool. I absolutely would have believed if you'd been like, this came out in 1934. I'd been like, that tracks. Yeah, 100%. yeah. Yeah, so Guy Madden is super cool. He's a Canadian filmmaker. Um, and all of his movies are kind of pastiches to, or homages to the silent era. So okay. he shoots all of his films like silent films. And to varying degrees, you know, he'll have, he'll modernize them a little bit, add color here and there, or add a narrator for a certain film. Pop of color, I knew it. Yeah, yeah. So there were a couple, yeah, there were a couple shots that were in color. Um, yeah, so this this film is not his most popular film, even. He has a okay. movie called My Winnipeg, because he grew up in Winnipeg. And I think the city actually commissioned him to make the film. That's nice. And that movie's also really good. Um, it's a similar thing where it's kind of, he actually has the same, his like same self-insert character yeah. that's, you know, talking about growing up in Winnipeg, basically. Although in this kind of like very rapid editing style and jumping around to different locations. Um, okay, more about this movie. Um, <laughs> the The antagonist is the, Parents. And you actually caught on to like the film noir is an influence and definitely yeah. also later on in the movie, like kind of horror, like cabinet of Dr. Caligari, Frankenstein elements too. Yeah. Because what the parents are doing is the mom, uh, the mom is like really um, like, oh, not like a not like an old hag, but she like um what do you call it when you nag on people? Like there's like a specific word for it that's yeah. really mean and sexist that gets attributed to women a lot. But basically, she's that kind of stereotype where she's always like nitpicking and yeah. berating the children and stuff and really annoying and motherly um, and overbearing. Yeah, and the dad. <laughs> does with in the orphanage is he does have his big syringe and he yes. like extracts like fluid like youth fluid from the kids and then every night he like prepares a serum for his wife to make her young again and then so he oh like spends God. the night with the mom and she's young youthful again yeah and then by the time like it's morning again she's like bickering and yeah yeah yeah, yeah all of her, you know, terrible personality has turned her old again. Um, so he's been harvesting the children to make his wife stay young. Basically. That's terrifying. It is, yeah. God, okay. <laughs> Does Chance Wendy figure it out? Yeah, they do figure it out. And uh, it, um, it gets um, even weirder. Okay. They, <laughs> they figure it out. I don't remember how exactly, but the dad dies okay the dad i think the, maybe the older sister stabs the dad because she's okay. like you've been you know doing the syringe on me or whatever um and then the mom is like no we have to resurrect the dad you know and so that's like kind of the frankenstein element comes in she tries to resurrect the dad and they have this whole like they bury him and then he, they like dig him back up yeah oh my god okay mm-hmm and um, eventually the chance Wendy identity is revealed. And yeah. like, um, there's actually like a, like a, a 
running joke. I don't know if it's a running joke. It happens twice, I guess. So it's like a joke and then they redo it. Yeah. But there's like a point when Guy sees his sister and Chance together and he like passes out. Yeah. <laughs> and then in the end, he like, it's like the double identity was revealed and he like passes out again. It's a <laughs> funny moment. Because it is, it, while it is, you know, like creepy and horror, it definitely does have a lot more of the comedy aspect than, um, than like most horror comedy, you know? Yeah. It's definitely leaning more to the comedy than it is to the horror. And like, cause it's like a bit of, there's like self-awareness about the horror. Yeah. Because it is like this silent film kind of redo. I like that you think it was, um, they thought it was over actual footage that was. I mean, some of it seemed like actual footage. Some of it seemed like it was added in mm-hmm. to like make yeah. it cohesive. But like some of that, I mean, they did a great, whoever was the costumer did a great job with like yeah. getting stuff that looked really old. Yeah, the budget was forty thousand dollars, <laughs> which is like not. Yeah, it's like yeah. nothing. Yeah, so yeah, they did. They do an amazing job. I think it's a really, it's a really good movie. I hope you watch the whole thing. Let me know. Do you know why it's called Brand Upon the Brain? I don't. There's not. There's not like a line where it's okay. like. Well, maybe there actually maybe there is. I don't. Uh, I I should have watched it right before this to like yeah. have everything fresh in the head, but. I watched it a while back, um, but because it's supposed, to, it's supposed to be like kind of like a you know just an evocative title, I think. So it's like, and he's remembering, you know, all of this stuff has been branded, oh, yeah. like you know, like a cow branding upon right. his brain, and he like can't forget it. Yeah, you know, especially Wendy. Yes. Yeah. Slash chance. Mm-hmm. That's so. What an interesting idea. Because I, I was definitely watching it and there were moments where I was like, oh, who's that young girl on the beach? And then they'd be like, Chance, his blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, no, I, I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of, it's kind of nice to know that I'm not totally crazy. Yeah, I, I think a lot of your guesses were really good, especially considering, you know, the short amount of time. And the very interesting style that it's mm-hmm. presented in. Though I do feel like, I mean, I do feel like the story is very linear the way that you described it. So I do mm-hmm. feel like I did see like the way the plot was developing, the way it was supposed to, yeah, you, you really know, like did. I saw yeah. a good clip of that, but there are just moments where I was like, you know, when he's in the forest looking for Wendy and she's like disappearing and stuff. I'm like, if the whole movie was like, you don't really know if what they're seeing is true or not. It'd be really mm-hmm. hard to follow. Yeah. I think it's actually his movies are, well, this, this one at least is very mm-hmm. like pretty straightforward. I think it's the most accessible of his movies. Um, Interesting. Which is, yeah. <laughs> so if I liked like, it. It's just so different than it is. anything it's really different. I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, I definitely, it's definitely art house, as you say. Yeah. But I don't think it's, um, you know, it's so from, you know, kind of like homaging that earlier time period and all of his films are kind of like in that mode that it's not really like, satirizing art house yeah. or really like even com like commenting on it um, yeah because it's really more concerned with you know the methods of filmmaking past than it is yes. modern stuff well now that i know it's made in 2006 or it came out in 2006 i feel like it's more obvious that it's someone with sort of more modern equipment trying to make it look like it was made back when silent films were made 
Yeah. Versus someone in like the sixties being like, aren't silent films stupid and trying to make it look, you right. know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that's more obvious knowing when it came out. I can't believe what, what does the criterion collection mean? I thought it was movies that were like 50 years old or older. Criterion collection. They even put, yeah, they put out modern stuff. It's yeah. just, they do like art house independent releases. Okay. Old stuff that, mm, old stuff that, um, is not lost of time because they mostly do like you know indie popular old stuff too but they yeah it's just independent not necessarily they do focus on older films okay yeah i wonder why do they have like a vault i feel like i can picture like yeah. okay yeah okay they do. all right now i learned a lot today <laughs> okay that's cool and very different than the movie i'm about to show you okay which is much more straightforward Um, but before we get to almost famous, we are going to take another quick break. Um, one for technical reasons and two, so I can fill up my water bottle and then we'll be back right after this. Perfect. I love this part because I get to just sit back for a minute and you have to do all the talking. (laughs) Cool. The first one is the title of the film. I'm pretty sure it's almost famous. I feel confident (laughs) about that. Okay. All right. Um, and then it's what I think the film is about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, uh, well, I, I know that it's about a guy who's a journalist following around the band. Okay. But I don't think, I do think that's like the setting, but I think it's, I, I think it's a romance. I think cause okay. the cover, which I'm familiar with is the girl with the glasses, you know, mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, he's got to fall in love with the girl. She's probably like a groupie or something. And so she's chasing the band, but but he's kind of chasing her dynamic is what I think. Okay. Uh, Famous scenes or lines. I feel like this one, they have to say the title in the movie. (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't, I don't know. I'm there's probably <laughs> I, I haven't I don't I can say confidently that I haven't seen any scenes from this movie. Okay. So I don't think there's any like famous scenes that I've missed out on. But okay. there probably is a scene I that I imagine, you know, where like they're messing around on the tour bus and someone's like smoking weed or something. You yeah. Know? And yeah. He's like, whoa, that's weed? Because he's like a kid. And they're like, yeah. get used to it, man. We're going to be doing this the whole time. And they're like, throw it out the window or something. God, reckless. Well, they're, they're musicians. You know? Yeah, they're rock stars. Yeah. Um, I know Kate Hudson is the girl. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't know, but I'm pretty confident. Um, and I think the rest of the cast is just a bunch of white dudes. Okay. I'm, I'm like, I there might not even be another woman in the film. Like okay. it might be only her or like, <laughs> I think the rest of the cast might all be white men. Cause right. I mean, it's Cameron Crowe we're talking about. Right. Yeah. And he did the whole Aloha thing where he like turned an Asian person that actually existed into a white character. Is that the, um, not, not Lindsay Lohan. Who's the other one? Emma Stone. Uh, Emma Stone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, but I do director. know about that. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. All of his cool, movies cool. are just white people. So yeah, that kind of oh, 
that lends into the one after this genre i think is it's like a definitely more drama but like comedy drama sure yeah of of the stuff i've seen of his before that's been kind of the vein of it so i don't i I think he's kind of a i mean not one trick pony but he knows what he does best yes yeah you know um so why i haven't seen this yet because it's kind of it's like if you watch one of his films i've seen jerry Maguire. Okay. so you kind of you kind of watch one of his movies and they're kind of all you know blend together a little bit um i've never seen jerry Maguire, so i don't know <laughs> there's a famous scene in that one I that's, know. His, that's his yeah um i've also seen his show roadies um for hbo well i saw a couple episodes of it and because yeah. i like luke wilson and Imogen Poots, and they're both in that. So I watched a little bit of that, and I was like, this is kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's just people being roadies. Wow. Yeah. Who knew? That's, yeah. Um, also, and this kind of, like, goes into, like, additional comments, because this isn't, like, a reason why I haven't seen this, but it is, like, a, a unique perspective I have on this. Is yeah. that my dad... Um, throughout most of my life has been a tour bus driver for musicians. Yeah. So not like any of these super giant groups, but because um, he's mostly driven like death metal, black metal scene, like a lot of like Scandinavian bands. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of like experienced that. I mean, I'm not a journalist, but I've been on a tour bus with bands. Yeah. And, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just sleeping. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, they sleep on the road to their next venue where they stay up all night playing. Right. So, I mean, there are antics sometimes. You sure. Know, that's it's what I'm looking forward to about the movie. Yes. <laughs> just seeing all those antic scenes where they're like, yeah, we're, we're cool. Yeah. You know? They're just doing all different drugs and saying <laughs> cool jokes and talking about tunes. Yeah. Um, I'm going to push you just a little bit because I, I'm going to tell you something I probably shouldn't tell you, but there's a big cast in this movie. Okay. There's like a lot of characters in it. So I just want to have you guess any of the, you said it's all white men, but any of uh-huh. the other characters that you think besides Kate Hudson. Okay. The actors or, or the yes, characters? Act- no, okay. I'm sorry. Actors. It'd be weird for you to um, guess characters. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm, tr- I'm going to try to make like informed guesses. Yeah. So I don't think Tom Cruise. Okay. Cause while I like, I like Tom Cruise, at least as an actor. Sure. I, um, I don't think he kind of fits the, well, I mean, rock of ages proves me wrong, but I don't think he fits the rock star <laughs> okay. profile. Um, who's, not Philip Seymour Hoffman, because I'm just going through the actors who were popular at the time, you know. Philip Got Seymour it. Hoffman, that's not his role either, you know. Yeah. He's an amazing actor. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's friend, Billy Crudup. Okay. Could... No, I don't know. I don't know if I could see him. <laughs> he normally plays, like, the creepy, creepy guys in, like, horror movies. But, well, that's maybe what he's been relegated to now. Oh, Okay. Um, so maybe like Billy Crudup, Justin Throw, maybe. Okay. Uh, is that, that one I know. enough guesses? That's the one I know. Yeah, that's enough guesses. I just wanted to hear your thought process on it because there are 
a lot of characters in this movie. Maybe uh, Jason Lee from okay. My Name is Earl, right? Yeah, I know um, him as a skateboarder, but I yes. he does act as well, I believe. And Scientologist. Oh. Can we talk about that on the show? You <laughs> can talk about you it. You have to cut that out. Um, no, it's fine. There's a really good... Uh, um, there's like an indie pop band and they made a song about him. It was like, about like, Jason Lee? Yeah. And they're like, Jason <laughs> Lee's doing kickflips through my dreams. Something like Aww. that. Yeah. That's beautiful. So that's, that's how I know that he did skateboarding. <laughs> and then I like discovered that he did. Yeah. Acting as well. Okay. I'm going to show you the poster, even though you said you already maybe know it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll help with something. Who knows? Um, this one. Mm-hmm. From the writer director of Jerry Maguire, yeah. There you okay. go. You've seen All the right. glasses. Kate you Hudson, Francis McDormand's in it. Oh, you can read them. Wow. Yeah, I'm I glad you can read them. Yes. Wait, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it. <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> and look who else. Jason Lee, nice. Yes. Anna, Anna. Well, there's a lot of women in it. Yeah. Uh. Okay, uh, that's. That's the that's wait. The read one. the first line. Oh, oh, nice, Billy Crudup. Yeah. Okay. Wait, is he? He's the main guy. Yeah. Nice. Okay. There's there's a picture of like Philip Seymour Hoffman, Billy Crudup, Justin Throw, and someone else. Yeah. Like, they were like kind of like a New York kind of pack of actors that you know oh, cool. they like stuck together, did a lot of films together, so. I didn't think uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman would be in this, though. But he might well, be the tour bus driver. There you go. Someone's got to be. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I'm very excited for this. I'm excited to show you six minutes. I do not. I did not watch the six minutes. Like, I don't know what you're about to see, so I'm excited to see it. But okay, cool. um, you're going to have to recap it when we come back. Okay. And I will tell you character names if I know them. Okay. So you can ask for that. Okay, cool. Um, so we're going to watch for a minute 24 and 0 seconds, a minute 30 and 0 seconds, and we'll be right back after this. Let's hear what you thought. Um, oh, so good. <laughs> All right. I'm glad that I got to see Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize him at first because he didn't speak. But as soon as I heard that voice there towards the end of what the clip that we watched. Yeah. I, I immediately heard Alvin and I was like, that's him. That was him. And I and he like looked back and I was like, noticed him. That's in the him. Crowd, you know? yep. Didn't see any Philip Seymour Hoffman, unfortunately. Um, all right. Who's actually in the movie? Will you, will you just recap what we saw first? Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Recap. Um, we watched a uh, little boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Presumably, moments before um, he kind of like got an intro to this blonde girl, Penny Lane, Kate mm-hmm. Hudson. And uh, she asks him how old he is, and he says 18. And then they go back and forth until it's finally revealed that he's 15 and she's 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a c- cute moment, you know. Uh, and she's doing like weird manic pixie dream girl things to his head and he's falling for her like immediately like so fast um and then one of the dudes from the band comes up Mm -hmm. and he's like 
like, hmm, wait, I think I know this Penny Lane girl. Yeah. Um, kind of implying that they've had a liaison prior. Um, and then they're like, well, we have to start the show. And everyone <laughs> runs towards the stage. They do a little like huddle thing. Um, and they invite the re- reporter kid in who yeah. has a notepad and pencil that he does not put down at all. Right. Uh, and so they do the huddle, they go on and they start their, the band is Stillwater, which is like a pretty good, uh, is that a real band? I, no. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. It's like Creedence Clearwater Revival right. kind of aiming for that kind of area. Um, so they do, uh, they start performing. Um, <laughs> they do a song. Yeah. And uh, the kid's like, all right. He's like writing the name of the song, I think, um, while they're performing it, which I feel like he didn't need to do. But right. she, the Penny Lane looks at him and she's like, why are you writing? <laughs> and it like is the vibe. She doesn't say anything, but she's like, what are you doing? Yeah. She's like, You're right. I should just be enjoying the music. Yeah. He's already learning things from her. <laughs> um, the show, the cut forward, show ends. Every, the crowd loved it. Um, and they're all running away, and the guy, the I think he's the bassist. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure. He's definitely not the singer because the singer had way more facial hair. Yeah. But the mustachioed guy um, is like, "Hey, tell that. Hey, you want to come with us on tour? By the way, you, you can come with us, but make sure you tell that Penny right. Lane to come <laughs> with us, just like last summer." And the kid's like, "Oh, sure." And as an audience <laughs> member, you're like. That means she's kind of, you know, already done this yeah. tour with them and has kind of like a thing with the guy. Um, and then the kid's like, bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> great <laughs> to see you. It was a great you. day at school today. Yep. Uh, and everyone's kind of like, all right, bye, kid. And then <laughs> Penny Lane's like, yo, chill out. Act's cool. And he's like, Penny, you got to come with us to go on tour. Yeah. And she's like, she she kind of is basically like sure yeah all right <laughs> he doesn't really give an affirmative or or answer or anything but then they like kind of walk out of the stadium together and, uh yeah it's basically basically it yeah yeah pretty good recap i think i think so mm-hmm. besides the part where i forgot to do it <laughs> no you did great <laughs> okay now you can answer those questions that i sent you you don't have to answer all of them if you don't want to or you can I want to. I want to answer all of them. Okay. <laughs> Who's actually in the movie? Kay Hudson. I got confirmed. I don't know who the kid is. Yeah. Do I know who the kid is? No, I'm okay. trying to look at him right now. Patrick um, Fugit. Okay, that his name was on the poster. I was like, I have no idea who that is. Yeah, I don't know um, who that is either. Sorry, that's. Uh, he. You know, this is probably his big, you know, first. Yeah. Big big role. Um, apparently, allegedly, Philip Seymour Hoffman's in it, although... <laughs> we'll see. He, I mean, uh, Billy Crudup, Jason Lee, yeah, they were there. Um, and a lot of other people. There are a lot of extras, so, mm-hmm. you know, that's acting, too. They were all in the movie. I don't know <laughs> any of them, but they were there. Um, didn't see... Uh, oh, wait, no, there was another. There was another girl that came... This is part... Back into recap mode. He got like a affectionate smooch from another girl. Kind yeah, of. did you recognize her or no? I did not recognize her. Okay. I, Do you I want me to tell you who it is? Yeah. I will. It's Farusa Balk. 
Do you know who that is? No, who is that? She's she's in a she's in a lot of movies, but I don't know if it's anything you would have seen. She's in The Craft. I think people know her from. She's in nice. Billy Madison. I've seen Billy Madison. Is she she's the, like she's the, the babe in Billy Madison. The yeah, teacher. that's not. I didn't mean Billy Madison. I meant the oh. Water Boy. Sorry, I mixed those. Oh, up. okay. But she's, she's the babe in the, the Water Boy. Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that's a you know fair yes. uh, fair mix up. Okay. Yeah, I did not recognize her, but so she's a significant character in this movie. It, oh, okay. Wait, that's his girlfriend. Okay. That he like still has, okay. or like maybe they have a thing, but he's gonna forget her. It's all for Kate Hudson now. Okay. Okay, that's my that's my prediction. I know, and I'm going with it. Thing. Main protagonist is the boy, um, who she. I I think we missed his introduction, but okay. I'm gonna guess that his name is Bobby. Okay. Um, well, you, wait. You said you'd give me character names. What's I would. <laughs> it's a William. Okay, that's. It's close uh, to Bobby. Bob, Bob is like short for Will, right? Or yeah, Bill? sure. One of those. Okay, sure. Um, main antagonist is definitely uh, the basis guy who's trying to mac on the girl again. Who's also she's sixteen. She, that's not cool. And he's with her um, last summer when she was fifteen. Something to think about. That's rough. Um, <laughs> what was happening to the protagonist before this scene? Uh, <laughs> I think maybe like his mom dropped him off to the concert venue. And she's and he's like, "Mom, don't don't embarrass me in front of the band." <laughs> she's like, "I'm just gonna I'm just gonna drop you off, honey. So don't worry, I won't say anything embarrassing." And she doesn't, and it's like a good mother son moment. He has Aww. like, I think he has you know, I mean he's uh wait, he's 15. He has like a good family dynamic enough that they let him go off. Because he seems like well-to-do enough that he's not having to worry about going to school like a normal 15-year-old would, too. Right. Um, so he's like, I'm not worried about my future. My parents have me covered no matter what. <laughs> um, so what was happening to the antagonist for the scene? I think he was probably off with some other groupie girl, you know. Oh, okay. Getting his uh, pre, pre-show coitus on Ew. to get him amped up. Yeah. What will happen to them in the future? Um, I think they're going to start to become close and he's going to be like, man, I want to be like that guy so much. He's really cool. But then the kid's going to like put two and two together finally after like an hour and a half of the movie. Sure. Be like, no way. He's been with her the entire time. <laughs> and then they're going to have like a big falling out and the he's going to get left behind on the tour bus yeah like they're gonna leave them in the desert you know and their the tour keeps going yeah and uh and then the kid's like oh, but the music was really good and he writes a good review anyway about them yeah and it just laments so on what could have been um scene that probably happens in the movie i, I kind of already i think you think especially now i didn't know he was that young i thought okay. that he was like like college age, you know, going along with the band. So now yeah. I really think that he's going to like walk on the tour bus and they're all like smoking pot. And he's like, golly. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> oh, it's like, boy. I'm in over my head. Yeah. <laughs> the, the casting for that kid's really good. He's like, 
He's like he looks like Bud Court. Do you know who Bud Court is? Yeah, vaguely, I definitely know that name. Yeah, he uh, like from Harold the Mon. But yes. Bud Court has a very yeah. deep voice, so he can never do this role. <laughs> well, he could because he's a great actor, but it's not It'd the role different. for him. Yeah, right. it would be very different. This really needs like a kind of nasally kid, uh, and this guy nailed it. Um, <laughs> scene that would be awesome that happens is Philip Seymour Hoffman is not the tour bus driver, but he's like. Okay. Uh, he's like an old head, like a really, like just metalhead, super yeah. great guitarist, and he's just doing like a solo, like sweating <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, and like everyone's like, yeah, that, that guy's awesome. He shreds, dude. Yeah, he shreds, and <laughs> like we're just like, uh, you know, shadows in his presence. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That would be awesome. I don't, I don't know if that happens, but I hope it does. What is the moral of the movie? This one's tough um, mm-hmm. because I do think it is kind of putting this dude who's doing the underage girl in a negative light. I do think he's like supposed to be the antagonist and bad guy and is not going to mm-hmm. represent him well. But I do think kind of the moral of the movie is kind of going to be like a, you got to go with the flow and <laughs> to live life to, to its fullest kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be... I don't know. The moral. How, yeah. How does the movie end? The movie ends with the kid writing a book about everything. Okay. He's like yeah. matured and looking back. And that might also be how it begins. Is he's going to be like, it's not a record scratch freeze frame. How did I get in this situation? But it is like a, let me tell you how I went on tour with still oh, yeah. the best <laughs> band in America. Oh, Wow. Um, last line of the movie is, I don't think they say almost famous in the last line. Okay. I do think Cameron Crowe is cheesy and he could. <laughs> okay. So, so I'm torn because I, I'm, I'm like logically saying like, no, they couldn't, they can't say that. But then I'm like, well, I don't know. He really could say it. So I think I'm going to guess the last line is um he he maybe his book is like about her and not about oh, okay. he like frames it differently because he's like yeah. so smitten and <laughs> and he's like they were famous and she was almost famous and i'm so not it does famous. say almost famous yeah i don't know i that's hard that's hard to guess the last one like uh, why is this the title of the movie because uh, because one of the characters was almost famous, either him or the girl. I think maybe the girl. She like maybe, maybe they were gonna like put her in the band. She wants to be a singer. Okay. And she's more than just a groupie. She's like, oh, I've been practicing singing this half year while I haven't seen you guys. Like, add me in as like a background singer or something, you know? Yeah. And they're just like, <laughs> and the kid was like, she was almost famous. They almost let her in the band. <laughs> It's a pretty uh, far cry from almost famous. <laughs> but I get what you're saying. It's a big right. leap to almost famous, but all right. Well, right. It's, it's, do you mean almost famous as like a little bit famous? Or do you mean almost famous as like almost actually famous? Yeah, like a second away from. The second I gotcha. Okay, fair. But maybe it is the first interpretation the kid's talking about himself. Like, it's like, yeah, people know me, like kind of. <laughs> Because 
Wait, because it is Cameron Crowe. It is like, because he did the music journalism. So it's kind of like a self. Oh, okay. It's like about himself. Kind yeah. Of, he's writing about himself. So maybe he's saying, I was almost famous back then, but now I'm really famous because I'm a director. <laughs> this is about when I was almost famous. <laughs> uh, genre, definitely, definitely more, more drama than I was expecting. Okay. I was expecting it to be a little more kind of like, lighter i don't know it, it did seem like they were they are gonna get into heavy themes so i do yeah. i think comedy drama though like a little less comedy more drama okay i think that's fair yeah are you ready to hear what really happens yeah absolutely okay you did some you did some really good guesses based on very little information about some characters like obviously you know he's gonna follow the band around that was like right there for you mm-hmm. Um, so basically I'm not going to do every scene, but I do have to set the foundation for you. So the movie mm-hmm. starts with Francis McDormand is his mom and his sister, nice. okay. his sister is Zoe Deschanel, okay. which is like a surprise. There's a couple of like surprise people in this movie that they show up and you're like, what? Uh-huh. So Zoe Deschanel is the sister and she's like be 17 years old in the beginning of the movie. And he's like nine and she's like, rebellious and the mom is like so strict the mom is like we're vegans and this is like the 80s or like the early 90s so that was like kind of radical and she's the mom is like we are they're not like crazy religious but like she doesn't like rock and roll she doesn't talk about sex she doesn't talk about drugs but they don't like go to church but zoe deschanel is like this is crazy and zoe deschanel is like trying to rebel and like not super weird ways she's just like i want to listen to simon and garfunkel like yeah yeah that's a tiny rebellion but the mom's like no this is crazy and then the zoe deschanel like on the day she turns 18 leaves the house i'm gone cut ties yeah and the mom is kind of like she'll be back she'll be back and then after several years she's not back it like jumps ahead in time and you also find out you find out that um the boy thought he was like 12 years old and that he had mm-hmm. skipped two grades. And then he finds out he's 11 and he skipped three grades. So he's like way younger than everyone in his class. So oh, when you meet him okay. as a 15 year old, he's a senior in high school. Like he's okay. ready to graduate, which is nuts. So he's smart for his age, but is yes. he wise? <laughs> no, he's no. in a very sheltered house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So when Zoe Deschanel leaves the house, she leaves a special gift for her brother and it's like a ton of albums. It's like pet sounds. It's like stuff yes. that's appropriate for that They did have the Beach Boys needle drop and then Cameron Crowe is always good with the needle drops. I, can, I have a lot of respect for him there. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, I, I, they had a song by the Beach Boys playing during that first scene where they were, how old are you? Right. And so he really, he doesn't, he like, He's like, I'm 18. Oh, wait, no, actually, I'm 17. Wait, no, I'm, oh, I'm 15. Yes, so I like, mean, he knows he's 15. He was lying to her. Right, yeah. And I talked to, my husband loves this movie, and I talked to him about it because I was like, she's 16? My husband thinks she's actually 17 years old and was just, like, playing along with him when he went down to 16. And then when he's mm-hmm. finally like, I'm 15, she's like, okay, kid, uh, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't play this anymore. So That's a good theory, yeah. It's still messed up that an older man is sleeping with her but she's 17 and i think she has like big plans for her life when she turns 18 because when they leave oh i'm sorry 
let me say this first. Mm -hmm. So the boy gets really into rock music and gets really into this magazine called like Cream Magazine or something. And it's like the rock and roll magazine that's like kind of indie. And he reads like every article and he like circles things. And I guess he starts sending all these articles. You don't see any of this. He starts sending all these articles to the head editor, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And Uh, finally, Philip Seymour uh, Hoffman comes to get like radio interviewed at this radio station. And the boy like shows up and meets him and is like, I'm William whatever. And he's like, you've been sending me all those articles. Let's go get a coffee or whatever. And they go get a meal and they talk for like three hours. And Philip Seymour Hoffman's like, I like you. Your stuff is good. I'll give you a hundred bucks if you write 300 words on Black Sabbath. Go to the concert, write this article, send it to me. I'll give you a hundred bucks. And William's like, well, I sure won't let you down. And he's like, okay, like here are my rules. Like you've got to chill the fuck out. You cannot befriend rock stars. Like you've got to be totally impartial. That's the nicest thing you can do for them is write like a real article that tells the truth. That's the best thing you can do. And he's like, oh, don't worry about me. I've never had a friend in my life. You know, he's like, I'm going to do my best. So Francis McDormand brings him to the concert and drops him off. And he gets out of the car. (laughs) And he walks like 15 feet. And she rolls her station wagon window down. And she goes, don't do drugs. And it gets silent. Okay, so she does embarrass him. Absolutely. I mean, he doesn't know anyone there. But it gets silent. And everyone like turns around and looks. And then all these like teens with like open bottles of liquor in their hands are like, okay, mom. And you can tell Francis McDormand is like, this is a terrible idea. Mm, yeah. So he goes around to the back and that's where he meets Anna Paquin, Farusa Balk and um, Kate Hudson. And all of them are like chilling back there trying to get into the back. They're like waiting mm-hmm. and they're like, slow down. We'll get you in. He goes to the door and he's like, I'm here to write about Black Sabbath, sir. And they're like, get the fuck away, kid. And he's like, no, I'm a journalist for the paper. And then he's like, go away. So they, the girls all get in and they try to sneak him in and the bouncer like catches them. And then Stillwater rolls up like late and they start walking in and the boy's like an actual fan. And he's like, Mm -hmm. Hey, and he's like, Russell, you're like guitar playing on fever dog is like, transcendent it's like incredible and i think the fact that you guys like went and produced it by yourself instead of going through the album was the right move and so this band who's like not an opener you know black sabbath is opening they're not the opener yeah they're kind of like oh shit we have like a real fan who like really knows our music and they're like all right come in with us like all right you can come in so they so let the him band in. is almost famous yes okay yeah so the band just had this new song, Fever Dog, which is the one they play at the beginning of the concert. And it's like really taking them up through the levels mm-hmm. of fame. And um, the boy writes the article about them and sends it to Philip Seymour Hoffman. Philip Seymour Hoffman publishes it. And then Rolling Stone reads it and they call William and are like, is this William? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, <clears throat> oh yes, it is. And they mm-hmm. Rolling Stone magazine asks him to follow the band around and they'll give him their credit card and he can like charge the hotels and whatever to it. They're like, don't let the band pay for anything and write this article for us. And he's like, uh, okay, I sure will. They have no idea he's 15. He asked Francis McDormand and Francis McDormand is like, okay, you can go. Like, I'll Mm -hmm. let you go, which is crazy because he's like, there's no way she's going to say yes. But I think she doesn't want like another kid to like totally hate her. So she's yeah. like, be responsible. But that's um, where the good mother son scene is. Yes. Is yeah. She's like, you know, okay. I'll trust you. 
call me every morning and every night and it's going to be fine and whatever. So he's like, great, I'll go for four days. And he leaves and he follows them like a couple of places. And like um, Jay Baruchel's in this movie <laughs> as like okay. a groupie. Do you know who that is? Yeah, he's he not. Does. He's not, he's not big. He does like really like goofy comedy films. Yes. Right? yes. Yeah. He, he did, did like beer best. Yeah. Yeah. And some other stuff. Yes. But yeah. He's fun. He's very thin. So he always kind of plays mm-hmm. like a nerdy, awkward character, yeah. but he's like, yeah, I know. Like yeah, yeah. 12 in this movie or something. It's so weird. That's basically funny. he becomes kind of like a groupie. He's following the band around. He ends up sleeping in the room with all the girls and they become like his best friends. Like, they're, like, always, like, oh, come on. They call him Opie, um, which is from that show that I can't think of right now. You know who I'm talking about? He's, like, Opie the cute and neighbor kid. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they call him that. And they, like, love him, and they're, like, taking care of him. And he falls in love with Penny Lane. And you see a bunch of shots of them, like, on the tour bus and, like, hanging out. And he's, like, I need this interview with Billy Crudrup, Crudrup whatever his name is. So like, I need this interview with him. Mm-hmm because he's like the famous member of the band. Like the head or, or the front man of the band is Jason Lee, but Russell's the famous guy. So mm-hmm. he's like, I need this interview with him. I'm gonna interview you all individually. And they keep calling him the enemy because he's the press. And mm-hmm. Jason Lee, like from the jump is like, bands always break up over press, like press only does us dirty. And then they like write something shitty about us and then bands get like worse, whatever. Yeah. So there's a lot of fun antics. You should watch the movie. It's very fun. Is there uh, a scene where he like first walks on the tour bus and they're like. They're smoking. Yeah. Yes. But there is, like okay. you said, there's a lot of scenes of them just asleep on the tour bus. That's cool. Okay. Like there are a lot of scenes like that. And there's a lot of scenes of like, they get to the hotel and like the whole day, the whole band just doesn't, uh, the whole band's just in their separate rooms with one of the girls. So mm-hmm. like Jason Lee and Anna Paquin are kind of like a little match and mm-hmm. Kate Hudson and Billy Crudup are a little match and they like kind of only hang out with each other. You know what I mean? It's like they're yeah. together. So the, is the kid not jealous of He's Billy very Crudup? jealous. And okay. he keeps asking Kate Hudson, he's like, help me get an interview with this guy one-on-one because the guy keeps being like, we'll do it in South Carolina. We'll do it in Texas. We'll do it in wherever. He keeps like pushing him off. Mm-hmm. And you kind of find out that like that member of the band is like the most talented, but all these guys are like his best friends. The manager is like their best friend. And he's like, this is the level of band where we all have a really good time. And if mm-hmm. I tried to leave the band because I'm more talented than everyone, then it would be like kind of fucked up. Like our, our that's dynamic a, that's, would be fucked up. That's true to real life. I think that's right. pretty accurate, which makes sense. Cause I think Cameron Crowe, I, this Probably is like thought. kind of like a semi autobiographical, like he did kind of live this experience so yeah i believe it and it seems true like even when i'm watching it and don't have that background i'm like i could see that happening in a group where one member gets more famous or whatever yeah so um he calls rolling stone like a couple of times they keep checking in with him and he's like i need one more day and they're like okay and he keeps just like (laughs) every time he's on the phone with the the guy at rolling stone which by the way the head editor at rolling stone is um an Asian man, mm-hmm. which you said it was only white dudes, and it isn't. You got me. But I also feel like I don't know if that's true to the times that the head of Rolling Stone in like the eighties was that guy. There's no way we could find out. No, Google doesn't have that <laughs> no. information. Um, but the, every time he's on the phone with him, like the boy doesn't know what to do, so he just pauses, and the other guy thinks he's like hardballing him, so he's like, 
all right, I'll give you another thousand words. And he's like, oh shit. And he keeps giving him more money and bigger words. And then finally, by the end of it, it's like, they're going to be the cover story. The cover story is going to be Stillwater. And he just has to like set up a photo shoot and he has to turn in the story or whatever by this time. Yeah. Um, so basically the whole thing explodes because, um, the main guy, Billy Crudup's girlfriend comes in town for like one of their final shows and he knows the girlfriend's going to be there. So he tells Kate Hudson not to come to this last show. He's like, all right, bye. We'll see you later. Don't come to this last show. And she's like, I think this time he really loves me. So I'm going to show up. And the boy, William is like, don't do it. Don't show up. Don't do it. Don't be there. And then they're both there. And, um, Billy Crudup just like ignores her because he's with his girlfriend and she gets really upset. She tries to OD and William is the only one there for her. And he like gets a doctor and he helps her and he's like disgusted with Stillwater. And this is the famous scene. I think of the movie, there are two famous scenes in the movie. One is um, Billy Crudup is feeling really um, bogged down by like everyone's like, mad at him their poster comes out and it's like billy crudup in the front and the four in the background and he's like and jason lee's like this is really shitty and billy crudup's like i didn't design the poster someone else made this poster it's not my fault or their t-shirt or whatever yeah and so billy crudup's like come with me little boy let's go meet real people in nebraska and so they go to this like weird house party in nebraska and everyone gives billy crudup acid like he keeps taking more acid and then there's this scene where he gets to the top of the house. He's like on the roof and he's like, I am a golden God. And he like yells it. And then he jumps into the pool. And the whole time, this is when William is seriously like, I'm in way over my head. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I the adult in this situation? He's like, what if my mom guys? saw this, I would, she would like eviscerate. Yes. Yeah. And he gets so upset. And like the next morning, they sleep the night at that house. And the next morning, the manager comes to pick him up. And William is like, I have to get this interview and then I'm leaving. Like I want to leave in the next 12 hours. I don't want to be on this thing anymore. Mm -hmm. Then the other really famous scene is after um, he breaks Penny Lane's heart, they're like going to the last show or whatever. And their new manager, Jimmy Fallon, which is so weird. (laughs) I know. I told you surprise. Their new manager is like, I'm going to treat you guys right. We're not taking our bus anymore. We're going to take a plane there. Oh, Wow. I'm going to take a plane to the thing. It's a little That's expensive private. Exactly. He's like, yeah. I'm going to treat you guys right. Cause you're the next new thing. Come with me. So they get in this tiny plane. It's got like 10 seats and they're all full. It's the band, Jimmy Fallon, the boy, and then the girlfriend, they're all flying. And then the pilot comes in and is like, uh, everyone just buckle your seatbelts. It's about to get really bumpy. And it is terrifying like the plane is shaking they're like we're gonna go down everyone's freaking out everyone's like we're going to go down and jason lee is like i'm gonna say it your head's too big for your body russell like you've been a dick to all of us and russell's like i'm gonna say it you guys are holding me back i should have left the band a long time ago and they're like yelling this over like lightning Mm -hmm. and then jason lee is like i slept with your girlfriend and i'm still in love with her and then the girlfriend's like what the fuck jason lee why did you just say that yeah and He's like, because we're about to die. Yeah. Yeah. And then so Billy gets mad at her and she's like, I know you slept with that groupie and they all get mad at each other. And then one guy in the back is like, like scared and terrified. And all of a sudden he's like, I'm gay. And then the plane like calms down and it like is not going to crash anymore. And he's like, God 
damn it. Like, he gets so upset that he announced it. Mm-hmm. Also, I think Jimmy Fallon, like, admits to murdering someone, and they're all like, this is fucked up. So they're, like, fun moments in it. And then the plane yeah. lands, and the boy is like, I'm leaving. I can't. This, <laughs> this is way too, yeah, way too much. I do not like this. He gets to the airport, and actually, they alluded to this before, so it's not that weird that all of a sudden it happens. But Zoe Deschanel is a, a flight stewardess. Mm-hmm. Like when she ran away or whatever, she became a flight stewardess, and they knew. And he and happens the kid to run. Didn't even think about that. And then, I know. Yeah. Until he was there. Yeah. Well, I think he knew that she was in that airport, so he runs into oh, her, okay. and, and he's like, "I have to get to New York City right now because I have to go to Rolling Stone magazine and turn in <laughs> the no paper that I have." Right. So he goes to Rolling Stone with her. She's like, "I'm going to help you out, and then we're going home." Like you're 16 years old. You're not. You shouldn't be in New York City alone. Mm-hmm. So they go. Everyone gets really mad at him that he's a 15-year-old kid and not, like, an adult man, right. <laughs> which is fair. Yeah, fair, yeah. Yeah, but he writes this incredible article that's, like, the opening line or whatever, they read it, is, like, I'm 30,000 feet above wherever with the band Stillwater and we're all about to die. And everyone's like, this is great. This is incredible writing. So good. What a great cover story. Blah, blah, blah. And he writes this whole thing. And everyone reads it and loves it. And then when they go to fact check it, the band just like denies everything. The band's like, I never said that. This is stupid. He lied, whatever. Mm-hmm. So he loses the contract. He loses all the money. They send him home. Rolling Stone is like, you'll never work in this town again, even though he's 15. Right. <laughs> and they send him home with Zoe Deschanel. And then there's a lot of like really nice heartwarming moments where Francis mm-hmm. McDormand is just like, I'm so happy to see you, Zoe Deschanel. Like, doesn't say and it's not like oh your hair is short or you've got a lot of makeup on she just is like i'm just happy you're home they all mm-hmm. hug whatever and then um the shitty guy tries to call penny lane and be like i totally understand why what i did is messed mm-hmm. up you're the right girl for me you've always been there for hey, me hey, i want you back yes yeah. let me come by your house and she's like okay let me give you my address and she gives him william's address and so he shows up at William's house and Francis, Francis McDormand opens the door and is like, I'm really happy you're here. Someone really needs to hear your apology. And he like still thinks he's at Kate Hudson's house. He's mm-hmm. like certain of it. And he like walks in and is like waiting there. And he's like looking around and he can't figure out what's going on. And then he finally sees a picture of William and he's like, oh, God damn it. So mm-hmm. then he goes in there and he has to apologize to William. And they kind of have this nice moment. And he calls Rolling Stone and is like, everything he said was true. Please hire him again. I don't really know what that does because it's not like they put the article out there after that. Right. <laughs> so whatever. I guess it was nice. Yeah. And it kind of ends on this nice note of William being like, that's not the lifestyle. Like, I love writing, but I don't think that's the lifestyle for me. And I like learned my lesson to not get like caught up in the rock and roll of it all. But mm-hmm. I really think the person that learns the moral is Kate Hudson, because even in the beginning of the movie, like right when they walk out of the thing together in the scene you saw, they like walk mm-hmm. out together and she's like, I think I need new friends. Like, I don't think this is the lifestyle for me anymore. And I think I just want to like, she's like, she keeps talking about wanting to move to Morocco and like just be her own person and just like start over. Mm-hmm. And she brings it up a couple of times, but she kind of gets swept up in the rock and roll of it all. And then at the very end of the movie, you see her buying one plane ticket, one one-way ticket to Morocco. She's, like, finally going to go do it and, like, nice. her life and be her own person. So I think the moral is, like, it's, like, a movie about growing up, but I think she's really the one that learns mm-hmm. the most. But it's cute and That's it's fun. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's Cameron Crowe. It's Cameron Crowe, who I didn't know mm-hmm. until now. <laughs> and you guessed a lot of the right actors. Does he have, like, you know, Judd Apatow has, like, a crew? He does use okay. some of the same act. That's why I was like, maybe Tom Cruise is in it, but I don't think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. He does kind of. Right. I mean, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Billy Crudup, and also, Jason Lee were like. Philip Seymour Hoffman was like killing it. Yeah. The year 2000. Because he'd also yeah. just done Mag- Magnolia. Um, yeah. That was like his. Year. You know, golden kind of period. It was early to early aughts, early 2000s. I don't, I don't have a hugely strong opinion on him. I know that he's a very talented actor, and when you have a very talented active actor, often they play characters that you hate because mm-hmm. they do a really good job of it. And I think I've seen him in a couple of things where I really hate him, but in this movie, I really like his character because mm-hmm. he's... The boy calls him, like, several times at, like, midnight, and he's always just, like, sitting his, in his apartment alone with, like, an album on and, like, eating Chinese food, and he just mm-hmm. plays this character that's just very, like, true to himself, like, loves rock and roll, wants to be a writer, did it, and now understands that that time is over. He's not, like, this guy that's, like, clinging to the past. He's, like... Yeah rock and roll journalism is kind of dead. And even when the boy sets out on this journey, he's like, you can do it. I think you're going to learn a lot. I think it's going to help your writing, but like understand that rock and roll journalism is dead. The rock era has been killed by like media and by like people trying to popularize things. So just like understand that it's not going to be what you want it to be, but go have fun, learn a lesson, call me anytime you need me to. So he like does this really good job of being like a very caring parental figure without losing the fact that he's like this bachelor music journalist. So I think that's probably the Cameron Crowe. If he's putting himself in the movie, it's probably as Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. Yeah. That's the self insert. Yeah. 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 It's good. I think it's, it's worth a watch. I, it's not my favorite movie of all time, but it's good. It's my friend, Mark. It's one of his favorite movies. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to watch it and yeah, I'll let you know what I think. I also saw it when I was 26 for the first time. I think probably if you watched it when you were 16 or 17 or just. It would be like. Yeah. This is what I want for my life. So I think it's also a time timing thing. It's good. You would like it. Mm -hmm. Everyone would like it. It's just a good movie. It's impossible to hate. That's not true, but. (laughs) But like one of those, you know, it has that kind of aura where it's like. I don't yeah. want to talk bad about this movie. It's no, not it's good. Do anyone any harm? Look, does it have themes of statutory rape? Put <laughs> right. in a love story? Yes, it does. But like, other than that, I think it's a good movie and it's worth a good watch. <laughs> um, Stefan, thank you so much for coming on this podcast and showing me a crazy movie I honestly never would have seen unless you showed it to me. Yeah, I I think you'd like that whole movie as well so i i will look for it or i might just send you a message and see if uh wink wink there's a way yeah. you could help me find it yeah a legal legal means but free and helping. legal yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but check out check out almost famous let me know what you think and i'll let you know um is there anything you want to say people always like support things yeah um i don't know i could like plug my letterboxed yeah <laughs> sure yeah movie related um yeah. i'm at raptor oblivion I'm at, I'm at raptor oblivion on everything if people oh, want that's to, works you know um, anything but this letterboxd is movie themed so yeah 
you can see all my rating. You can see my five-star rating and review of Brand Upon the Brain. <laughs> you can see my my thoughts on what I think of Almost Famous when I watch that. Yeah. Soon, so. We're all rooting for five stars for that one, too. We'll see. I, it's pretty tough. I'm we'll pretty see. Good. It, it'll definitely, based on what I've seen, I'm at least 3.5, I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah. It's got fun moments. I'm excited for you. Um, for me, everything is minute 24, M-I-N-U-T-E-T-W-E-N-T-Y, and then the number four. That's just how it worked out. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. And goodbye. Thank you for forever. having me.